Hello, hello. Tomas, Jeff, how are y'all? Good evening. What's going on? Can you hear me okay? Uh, yep, you come in loud and clear. Loud and clear. Russell, microphone check for you. I think that was you, right? I'm not looking at the app right now. Yep, no worries. Hey, Tomas. Hey, Jeff. Hey, everybody. This is going to be amazing. Russell, you got to lower that bar a little bit. Man, we've got history. I know what's about to happen. I've, got, I've sharpened my pencil. I've got extra paper. I'm ready to learn from you, my friend. Katie, microphone check for you. Hello, hello. Hi, everybody. Wow. Hi, Jeff. Nice to meet you. It's a pleasure meeting you as well, Katie. Well, and I heard you say lowering the bar, and I'm like, mm, I don't think so, sir. Um, I read your background, and uh, there's no lowering the bar in this room. Uh-uh. Not really looking forward to this discussion tonight. I'm happy to be here. Just getting the room set up, uh, getting Jeff's face plastered on the uh, billboard there in the room. Yikes. There's also games or something like that on this room. Is that a, one of the new features? Play games, look at that. Hypotheticals, how does that work? Hmm. I saw that before. You can it'll have like some questions, and some people see all the answers, and somebody people don't. So it, it takes a bit. There's a little on the right hand side. If you start a game, you can see the rules and learn how to play it. Uh, I won't do that right now. I kind of wanted to do it just see, just see what happens, but uh, I won't do that right now just in case it actually messes up this room. I don't want to do that. But interesting, 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 interesting. What uh, Carvazza? trying to do so while we get started uh actually maybe one maybe russell you or katie maybe you guys can add some uh some topics on there on the on the room page there while i kind of kick us off if you don't mind uh i added in networking but maybe you can add in a couple of other keywords hey lisa beth hey hey tomas hi crew how is everybody doing tonight Doing fantastic, fantastic. Everybody's getting back from RSA, big security conference out in California. Or whoever was, well, we were out there, and I know Lisa Beth, you were in two locations last week. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, a big travel week, and I'm going to see Katie next week. Oh, so, you're being Chicago. Chicago bound. Yes, cannot <laughs> wait. Make sure you have some New York pizza in Chicago. New York style pizza. I'm sorry, are you telling me what kind of pizza to eat in my own town? <laughs> I'm telling Lisa Beth to have some <laughs> New York style pizza in, in Chicago. Oh my goodness. And hey, congrats, Katie. It looks like there's some major news from your end too. What's what's that? Oh. Uh, I just saw a press release that said you were named one of the, named one of the leading women oh. voices in cyber. Like, rock on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, what I said earlier today too. There's there was there were actually two that came out today. One of them I knew about, and my company had to approve another one. I was like, well, when your image and your um, 
and your name are used in a press release that you didn't even know anything about, about being a le- I'm like, I've arrived without my consent, <laughs> my, uh, my image. I mean, that's it. That's whatever, you know, like, I, this is it. I've arrived at uh, being that cool. You are now a public but, no, thank you. You're awesome. now a public figure, huh? <laughs> I'm an influencer now I'm, because of this room, because of this room here. <laughs> it, it, it was very nice, though. It, it's it's actually really in coming off of RSA last week and um, getting a chance to see people in person again. Um, it, it's it is an honor to be considered a leader in such an innovative space. And um, so, thank you, Lisa Beth, for saying something. I appreciate that. Congratulations, Katie. I did not know that. I'm looking forward to uh, doing a quick Google and finding that announcement. Uh, oh, you posted in our in our chat, Katie. Maybe if you if you have it there, you can post a link in our chat so we can all read it. But congratulations to you. Uh, so this is our weekly fireside chat, and we do want to welcome you all back. Uh, sorry that we were, did not meet last week, but as we were just chatting, we were at RSA. Uh, at least the majority of the moderators were at RSA, and we got the chance to meet in real life, in person, live which was i don't know it was it was it was rather interesting to get back into an in-person conference uh hopefully nobody got sick because uh, COVID is still around there um it did kind of feel a little weird to be back uh with masks without mask and however you were comfortable uh, but it was actually pretty fun to be back in person and to get to meet my esteemed colleagues who we've been chatting for I want to say over a year now, right, on, on Clubhouse, and we actually never met until last week. So it was great to meet you all in person last week. Um, so this is our weekly fireside chat. Thank you again for, for joining us. If it's the first time you joined us, uh, we do this every Wednesday between 8 p.m. Eastern time and 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. So we're going to go for, as you know, that's an hour and a half. We're going to ask our guest this evening, and that is Jeff Peel. We'll ask him questions for about 30 to 45 minutes or so, and then we'll open up for the room for you or the audience to participate. So you can raise your hand. There's a little raise your hand icon on the screen, and we'll bring you up on stage, and you can ask a question of our, our guests and join the conversation. You could also use that as a little side chat feature uh there's there's an icon there on the left hand side of the screen it has a little number on there it's starting to go up from four to five uh that's the chat you can use that chat if you don't want to join us on stage and ask a question you can ask a question there and we will make sure to read it off um to our guest uh with that said there are a few quick very 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 quick sort of ground rules for today's uh event if you will uh rule number one let's have a good time let's have fun it is wednesday it is the middle of the week we only we have a few more days left in this week so i'm sure everybody's had a, a bit of stress uh, but we've got a long weekend coming up in the u.s uh we've got juneteenth uh, celebrating juneteenth on monday so uh hopefully you all can one uh understand what the importance is of, of Juneteenth, uh, but also enjoy some time off with your family. And this is Father's Day weekend, uh, this weekend in, in the U.S. So I know that should be a fun event for most uh, most people, uh, at least a, hopefully a fun event for most people. Um, the If you do pop up on stage, we ask that you please don't uh, try to solicit us or sell us on any of your latest and greatest products. If you are a vendor in the room, this is a free and open space. We're happy to have you, uh, but please don't jump up on stage and ask us a question or try to sell us. Uh, sorry, try to sell us on your on your solution or your product. Let's leave that for another time, another place. Today, we're really going to be focused on Jeff 
learning a bit more about him and his journey and how did he get to where he is today. So uh, the last thing I'll say in the last sort of uh, announcement, or actually there's two caveats, uh, two announcements. Uh, one, if it is your first time, there's a little greenhouse on the top left of your screen right next to where it says Fireside Chat. You can click that greenhouse and join our Fireside Chat Club and you can see who our upcoming guests are. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is uh, for the majority of us, uh, I guess, yeah, on the stage, uh, or maybe just me, or my thoughts and opinion, or our thoughts and opinion are our own and do not represent our current or prior employer. So we ask that you please uh, be mindful of that and uh, and respectful of that. Uh, so without further ado, I'm just going to go around the room. Uh, Jeff, we'll leave you for last. We, we'll go around the room and introduce ourselves. So I'm Tomas Maldonado. I'm the CISO at the NFL. Russell, over to you. Thank you, Tomas. It was amazing to get to meet you in person last week in real life. Katie, you as well. I got the biggest hugs. I'm like, oh, this is awesome sauce. And the only reason we skipped for last week was that, hey, Russell Eubank's been running my company, Security Ever After, for the last couple of years and teach a lot, mentor a lot, coach people to be uh, CISOs for the first time a lot and just love this space. And Jeff, I'm telling you, we've been looking forward to this conversation for months. It took months to get on the schedule, get you here, and we're super excited to learn from you, uh, my dear friend. Uh, Katie, over to you. Thank you, Russell. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us, Jeff. Um, I am Katie Hanahan. I am the Vice President of Cybersecurity Strategy for a boutique SI out of Chicago called IT Savvy. I also run uh, their VCSO program and am a VCSO myself. Um, been a moderator now for a few, uh, six or seven months in this room, and it never disappoints. Just thank you, everyone, for joining us uh, tonight. And, and remember, please get your questions ready because we're looking forward to uh, bringing you up on the stage in a little bit. Thank you. Uh, over to you, Lisa Beth. Hi. Hi, everyone. It's another great Wednesday. Uh, my name is Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. I am the CEO of Lumen Worldwide Endeavors, which is a compliance, ethics, and corporate governance consulting firm. I teach in some of my free time uh, and I've written a book and I'm so excited to be spending the evening with Jeff, who I actually met in real life before tonight. So I am so excited to have this time with all of you. Awesome. Thank you, moderators. And it's good to, uh, to, to have you here with us. So Jeff, like, why don't you take a, a few minutes, uh, you know, or as long as you want uh, to introduce yourself. And while you're introducing yourself, Jeff, I usually like to ask this, this opening question to kind of set the stage for the evening. And that's, that's the question around your origin story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your origin story as you get into your introduction this evening? I will. Um, and thank you, Tomas. Um, thank you, Katie. Thank you, Lisa Beth. And of course, Russell, thank you for this uh, opportunity to um, be a part of this um, conversation in this community. So my name is Jeff Peel. Um, I currently serve as the information security officer for um, a firm in Minneapolis called Sullivan Cotter. Sullivan Cotter just uh, purchased um, uh, another organization which we're spinning off into a technology uh, entity called Clinician Nexus, and I also serve as the information security officer uh, for that new venture. Um, as part of my kind of uh, uh, personal endeavor, I also teach um, uh, adjunct at um, a local college <clears throat> up until this semester. So 
I stepped aside at the end of this semester, but I, I taught the cybersecurity course at uh, Dunwoody College, um, and then also taught online for Bismarck State uh, College in North Dakota. So uh, I tried to immerse myself in <clears throat> in the cybersecurity uh, community and the industry to keep abreast of not only what's happening, but then also, you know, serve as uh, a mentor to those that 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 need it and and trying to find a way and a path within the the, the entity the excuse me the um, the industry. So, um, as as Russell mentioned, we have history, and um, prior to this role um, with Sullivan Cotter and Clinician Nexus, I served as um, the information security officer for the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis. And um, I was with the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis for for 20, for 20 years. So, um, and uh, in the IT department, and I tell the story that I was with the organization um, for 20 years. I was on the same floor for 20 years. I moved around on that floor. So um, I, I enjoyed my career um, at, at the Federal Reserve. And um, I can say that the beginning of my six year tenure of, uh, of serving as the information security officer started with um, meeting the esteemed gentleman, uh, Russell Eubanks. And we spent our first week together um, and, and we still finally reflect on that. Uh, we spent a few days in, Russell had just started with the Federal Reserve System in, in Atlanta. Uh, we spent a few days in, um, in Richmond. Uh, we went back to our respective homes in the middle of the week. And then we ended the week in Miami at, uh, at Durrell at, uh, at, at one of the uh, branch offices for the Atlanta district. Um, uh, with the information security, the rest of the information security officer. So Russell and I uh, shared that that week long getting to know each other um, for the first time and actually embracing the role um, <clears throat> of information security officers for this for the Federal Reserve Bank. Um, in that meeting with Russell, um, he began to and maybe he, he likely doesn't know this, but he began to shape my view of, of information security and being a leader and, and um, being an uh, evangelist, if you will, for, um, for information security. There are three things during my time working in, in, uh, in the role of information security, uh, information security officer in the three or four years that Russell served as the information security officer and ultimately the uh, CIO for the Atlanta district are three things that I took away from our interaction. Intentionality, uh, collaboration, and asking the question, why not? So those three things uh, helped shape um, my role and um, has continued to shape my role um, as uh, an information security officer. So I, ref I, I refer to myself as a servant in this role. That's why I always uh, 
remark as I serve as the information security officer. Um, I'm a father of, of two beautiful uh, humans. Uh, they're they're almost they're once adult and one is almost an adult, and I I'm a little. I'm a little excited right now, not only to be a part of this conversation, but my son just surprised me and he came home today, um, not only for my brother's wedding this weekend, but then also to spend some time with me um, for Father's Day. He's the oldest, he's 21. My daughter is um, 17. The opportunity to be a mentor for them and then also be a mentor for security practitioners have served as a roadmap on how I handle and how I lead my security teams. So my cybersecurity career started um, as, you know, kind of, I was the last one standing or the last one, uh, the, the last one standing, if you will, uh, with an idea on how to solve a problem. So as I mentioned, 20 years at the Federal Reserve Bank, um, <clears throat> and that's coming into the industry right after college. Um, I, I worked three years prior to the Federal Reserve in um, uh, for IBM for uh, as their desktop support um, uh, analyst or agent, if you will. So we, you know, configured and delivered um, uh, endpoints to uh, clients um, and, and associates with IBM. And at the time we were working on the American Express contract. So when I transitioned over to, um, to the Federal Reserve, I went over there as a desktop support um, uh, agent and did the same work, uh, configured workstations and delivered it, helped troubleshoot, um, kind of the second level uh, of, of desktop support, right? And had the desire to, you know, continue in this career path, but not certainly crawling under work, uh, under, under uh, work desks and, and moving, you know, five, <laughs> five-year-old uh, keyboards that had you know, not only passwords under it, and Lord knows some some mothballs that you know could choke a donkey, but um, I wanted to expand my role within um, within the industry, and I knew I wanted to do it as a people leader. Um, so I I went back to school to um, to attain my master's degree. Uh, undergrad in, in business administration, attained my master's degree in information technology, and I intentionally left at general so I could experience all aspects of, <clears throat> of, of, of IT. So from project management, leadership, um, technical, um, uh, capability, uh, technical aspects uh, of, of the program of, as well. So what got me into security um, at the time the Federal Reserve was looking at implementing wireless technology um, in the organization but they wanted to do it in such a way that it was only re it was restricted to conference room and not broadly um, accessible across the building ultimately 
it's now part of the, the, the ethos of, of any organization. But at the time, it was kind of new to the organization and how can we do this? So that inspired me to um, you know, start investigating and tinkering. <clears throat> and ultimately, I um, attained my wireless SHARP uh, certification and uh, a wireless network um, administrator certification, um, all in um, all in pursuit of being um, uh, an assistant to uh, getting that infrastructure in place. Uh, so, at, at, as I mentioned, I was the last one uh, kind of standing, but I was the one that brought the the option of using directional antennas um, to minimize uh, signal spillage, if you will, outside of the, the building. And I got the opportunity to work with our building, our building uh, uh, folks that we use directional antenna to put on the, the big uh, pylons or, or support walls to, to push the signal back in. And we were successful in doing that, had external scans that we had minimal uh, signal spillage. So it was a, a great opportunity not, to, not only to learn, but then to work outside of the technology space in order to uh, reach a goal or achieve um, uh, the mission that we had set out to, to do. So that led me to, to really embrace um, cybersecurity, and it was from that perspective where it's technology and control. I really that we can go out and buy the new whiz um, uh, 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 tool and, and implement it, and then we can control it and kind of manage how people are going to, you know, uh, work within the system. They can't do anything outside of it. So that was very naive of me at that time, but it was certainly um, an entree into the, the field of information security. So started as uh, access management, so transition from desktop support into information security, access management, compliance, um, analyst, uh, threat management, project management. I serve as um, the information security manager at one point, and then ultimately the information security officer. So at the end of that uh, career or my tenure at, um, at the Fed, there was one thing that I took away from me. So if you can imagine now, let's go back to 2019. Um, we're in the midst of this pandemic. Um, we are trying to figure out how to now uh, achieve a new norm. Um, I was also planning or were at the, at a point in my career, transitioning from the Fed to another, um, organization. <clears throat> and the one thing that, that came back to me, um, was the need for, and the importance of our engagement with people in order to achieve um, our goals, um, and and I left the 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 Federal Reserve, knowing that whatever whatever opportunity came my way, um, that will be met head on with uh, an intentional um, engagement with 
the, the end user, uh, an open space to collaborate with the end user and the ever uh, inquisitive mind of, of, of asking, well, why not? Why not that idea? Um, or why not this um, option? Why not that crazy um, uh, uh, or uh, thought that, that crossed somebody's spine? So that led me from transition from the Federal Reserve into um, my beginning uh, stages of teaching over at Dunwoody for a few months, and then ultimately, ultimately through this uh, semester, and then into my role as um, the information security officer for Sullivan Cotter and Clinician Nexus. So I'll wrap up with um, these few things. So my philosophy um, as a leader and as an information security leader uh, is twofold. One, we're practitioners, and then two, we're empowerers, right? So practitioners in that we understand, or we try to understand what are the threats and potential risk impact to the organization and try to minimize that in, in whatever way we can. Empowerers, uh, I don't know if that's a word, but I like it and I'm going to continue to use it. Um, from the perspective of engaging, intentionally engaging with our constituents, if you will, to raise their awareness and empower them to be part of that, um, of that solution for uh, security awareness and security control. So my philosophy is this, uh, look for and seek out other opinions, um, you know, in a room, actively across the organization, but ne not rely uh, purely on, on just your um, understanding. Uh, embrace constructive criticism. Uh, empower the quiet voices. This, um, to me, is, is critical, not only for the uh, the minorities and across the minorities, uh, just a general uh, kind of uh, descriptive there, but the minorities in the room, but also the folks that are, you know, lack the, the, the empowerment to raise their voice. We need to be advocates for, for, those, for those folks. Um, leave learned and leave uh, uh, but never leave worse than. So leave um, an organization or leave a project understanding both from the successes and both from the fail from the successes and the failure. Um, I know we often um, talk about, boy, I really learned from what didn't go right, and, and sometimes we overlook the nuggets of. Um, of wisdom that we also gain from success, not just the, the, the fanfare and the celebration, but the journey to, to that end, um, or even what happens, how did you change after you were successful, or if you change, those things are also um, 
uh, are also uh, critical and crucial in our in our development. So all of that, I think, um, uh, uh, plays into what I like to, and I had this written on my whiteboard in 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 my office at the Federal Reserve. It plays into what I like to call the culture, my culture um, for the team and my culture or our culture for information security. And again, it starts with collaboration. It starts with, it starts with collaboration, understanding the mission and, and then setting um, attainable goals and not just unilaterally setting those attainable goals It's working collaboratively with your team with uh, stakeholders um, uh, to to ensure that uh, those goals are uh, attainable and it's something that is collectively supported um, by by everyone leading by example and empowering folks to lead from any position. Um, I really thrive on uh, junior um, uh, practitioners standing up, taking charge, and really getting um, into, not maybe some of them are getting into the weeds and some of them are rising above and looking strategically across, but that really uh, drives me and, and gives me a sense of of, uh, of pride when I see that happening. Trust is critical um, if uh, if we want a culture that it, that feels supported and, and feels um, empowered to to do what they need to do and and really work above and beyond what um, is you know typically expected expected in the day. And from a leader's perspective, understanding the unique personalities that that make up your team right so not everyone is going to think the way you think not even not everyone is going to approach a problem the way you approach a problem but but um but we have to put in or we have to allow uh an environment within which folks um uh feel trusted respected and empowered to do their best work. So that's how I um, kind of, uh, not kind of, that's how I execute my philosophy. So I'll pause there and, and see if there's any questions or if, you, uh, if there's anything additional I need, uh, you would like for me to elaborate on. No, that was, that was, that was great. And, and thank you for, for that. Um, and I do see Hussein. Hussein, thanks for joining us. We'll, we'll let you get warmed up and introduce yourself in a second. But Russell, I'll pass it over to you. Thanks, Tomas, Jeff. Wow, what a rich um, outline there. And I'll tell you, you, the view from your office uh, of the mighty Mississippi is just a gorgeous thing. And I miss that, miss seeing you, and look forward to being together in person like we have so many times. You know, Jeff, you talked about this idea of lead from any position, which I love. And then you talk about empowering the quiet voices. I'm thinking, yep, got to do that too. And then thinking of, you know, asking why not, being intentional, um, mentoring practitioners, especially those, I mean, gosh, it's like your own journey. You got to go from entry level to leading uh, very large teams on an important mission. 
how do you how do you do all that? As you're thinking about all these things, I'm like, okay, I need to do that. I need to do that. How do you make those decisions of which role, which attribute, which characteristics of, of, of your character to, to kind of lean into? I'd be afraid I can't get anything done for, for being more and more like Jeff. How do you make those decisions of where to spend your time to make sure that you are all those things and an effective security leader? Uh, great, great question, Russell. And, and yes, I do miss that view from, from the office overlooking the Mississippi, but uh, the new opportunity is, is, is provides a, a, a brighter future, if you will. But um, yeah, so how do I how do I manage my time, and how do I how do I, um, in other words, be present um, uh, for opportunities that 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 may come up or the practitioners that, that, that need help. Uh, there are two things, <clears throat> uh, two sayings that, um, that, that typically come to mind and, and folks get annoyed with me when I, when I, when I say this, but I'm not Australian, but I love the phrase, no worries. And there, the the other phrase that 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 I love as well and use constantly is nobody's dead, dying, or about to die. So with those two um, kind of uh, phrases in my mind, I know whatever is presented, we can resolve, right? So it's a matter of time and opportunity, and how do we invest some time in there? So nobody's dead dying. Nobody's dead dying or about to die means that we can prioritize whatever we have in flight, in order to uh, address the 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 current you know issue ahead. And sometimes the current issue at hand really isn't an issue. That could be you know tabled for another time or another conversation. We can uh, stay the course and, and continue on. But the one thing I, I think that helps me the most is that I've been told, and, and there are times where I feel that I listen very attentively, not to solve, but just to hear. Now, I have to caveat that because most folks that are in relationships, they know that, you know, when your partner comes to you and say, hey, do this, that, and this is happening, and all you want to do is like, well, just move it from there to here. And then typically that isn't what the problem is. You just need to shut up and listen. I do that better at work than I do at home sometimes. Um, but uh, but that's kind of the the aspect of my personality that helps me the most, right? Where I can sit and listen and have um, an attentive ear, but not one to solve a problem, but to hear what's happening. And then from that, reflect on what else do we have in flight or what else do we have at our disposal that could help uh, resolve this issue. Um, the, there is a book that I, I read it, the black swan. I'm pretty sure everyone is aware of that. Um, I was going through, uh, 
uh, a, a, a divorce at the time and my mentor at the bank, we had just started the mentor program and he came and we met the first time and, you know, I'm a wreck because this is happening in my personal life. And, and he, 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 he mentioned this book and he told me to read it because you're not going to read the whole thing. He goes, you read the first hundred pages, and I think it's going to at least give you a place to start thinking about uh, things a little differently. And and he was correct. At After the first hundred pages, what I took away from that was, you know what you know, you know what you don't know, and you don't know what you don't know. How you rebound how you recover from that last you don't know what you don't know really sets the path forward um, for for an individual so that's always played in my mind that every objective every strategy that we embark on i have a running kind of uh, scenario of i know what I do know about this, I know that we need to have some uh, sort of backup um, for for this. And the resiliency is the you don't know what you don't know, but that resiliency comes in by way of relying on those two, those two, the first two areas. So that's that's what kind of plays in my mind, Russell, when when I'm engaging with stakeholders when I'm engaging with um, uh, with with uh, uh, with with folks that report up to me or even um, as I'm learning now with a 20 year old son living on his own in another state, you know, our interactions together is, you know, make plans to, you know, have some provisions if something were to go sideways. And then if, if things really go sideways, you know, Make sure you follow these fundamentals, so uh, in order to 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 recover and be you know be ready for for those curveballs, if you will. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much, uh, Jeff. Katie, uh, over to you. Yeah, thank you, Russell. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm intrigued by um, your why or why not. I would like to drill into that a little bit more. And the reason I'm asking that is because you've been very articulate in going through um, all of the different ways that you have had to choose why or why not in various um, aspects of your career, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a practitioner, an empowerer, by the way. I don't know if that's a word either, but I love it. So please keep using it. I might steal it from you. I will give you credit, I promise. Um, but my question is really when you're when you're deciding I'm at the point in my career when I'm, you know, either, you know, mentoring or deciding to, um, you know, bring someone new into my organization. I mean, the why and the why not can sound almost flippant, but I know it's not having heard you for the last, you know, 30 minutes. Um, but what are the what are the things that you think about when you're going through your why or your why not as it relates to the investment that you make in individuals in your organization as you grow your team. Um, this is all kind of new to me. I'm in um, kind of a, a, this is one of the first times in my career where I'm, I'm growing a, a aspect of a business and growing a team and leading a division. And um, so I just love to know your perspective um, of what the uh, you know, why the why not and when when is it sometimes why not and and when is it 
is it why and what maybe some stories from your um, experience yeah perfect oh, okay thanks thanks for the question and it plays into my new role um, as an information security officer for solving Carter clinician clinician nexus um, coming over to to that organization um, uh, the information security officer role was new so they had an individual that was kind of spread across infrastructure inf uh, information security and you know a million other things that uh, that that person was doing so they wanted to carve out specifically someone to focus on information security in order to position the organization as they kind of move into this next phase of growth so i took it on i took it on you know head on um and there were a couple of opportunities where i saw right away where things were not being done at the cost of you know other uh, projects or other priorities and my question uh, to uh, stakeholders and individuals that you know made those decisions were well why not why aren't we doing those things and it came down to you know most of the time was budgetary uh, reasons or or um, resource constraints. And my approach in the first few months um, with the organization was including the risk impact to the organization if we didn't do this. So regardless of, 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 of budgetary constraints or uh, resource constraints, if we don't do this, and we are part of a breach or we're affected in some way where our clients lose their confidence in the product, resource constraint and budgetary constraints is going to be the last thing on your mind. We need to figure out a way to make this um, a priority. Now, Russell knows this because the, the, the system CISO for for, for the Federal Reserve before he left, used this phrase all of the time, risk-based, threat-driven. That's the approach that I brought in to the organization. Let's make decisions, in information security decisions that are informed by the threats that are out there that could impact the organization and then the potential uh, the potential uh, risk impact to the organization. And, and then let's make an informed decision, which will have budgetary impact and it will have uh, an opportunity for us to reallocate resources in order to address that. So that's been working really well from a security objectives perspective. From a personnel and empowerment and um, personal growth uh, for for individuals that report up to me, I look to that. What is in our bucket of uh, for training opportunity that aligns specifically to better security, better compliance, better um, uh, more empowerment of 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 our folks, 
and then use that use that resource the the budgetary resources there very liberally um, for folks to feel like they're getting the support they need for their personal growth and I emphasize feel because it isn't it isn't something that I we can quantify it by throwing X amount of dollars into a pool and then that's what's used. But I think it 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 has to um, be married to the idea of we are dedicated and we are, you know, intentional on making sure that the folks that support this product, the folks that support this organization um, have the tools and they feel like they have the tools in order to be productive. So I'll wrap up with, with this. When I got there, we had to establish the information security program, understand what our critical assets were, you know, identify those, you know, Russell knows this, he preaches all the time, know where your inventory is, know where, um, uh, who has access to it, how we manage that. So the, the, the top, top 10, right? Um, but what I, what, I, what I led with was, this is an organization that um, is part consulting, consulting and part um, software as a service. So we rely on people, we rely on processes, and we rely on technology. And I propose that instead of uh, calling out a single thing, we have to collectively look at those three aspects of the organization as the critical asset for the organization. So the people, our processes, and the technology that we use in order to provide services to our clients, that's our critical asset. If any one of those fall by the wayside, we are in trouble. If we lose the good, if we lose good people within the organization and lose uh, primarily physically or emotionally detached from the organization, we have a problem. If we lose the confidentiality and availability of the processes that we use, that we rely on in order to provide those services to our clients, we're, we're in trouble. If we, if we, if we have um, a, a, a security breach or a technical failure um, within uh, that affects the technology that we rely on that provides services to our clients who are in trouble. So, um, you know, that's how I've been able to, for the last just over a year, been able to kind of start to shape the information security program over, over, at, the, over at the firm. And if, if, if it isn't clear, I hope I can reiterate the point that it isn't a singular um, point of, 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 of delivery. It is a collaborative effort. So it's the consultants, it's the developers, it's the contractors, and it's all of the associates. So it's never that you all need to do this. It's we as a collective need to do this in order for us to be successful.
And now I can't help myself but say, yeah, why not do that? Yeah. Perfect. No, thank you. I really appreciate that insight. Um, I, was, I actually was taking notes this time. Thank you so much, Jeff. Um, over to you, Lisa, Lisa Beth. Great. Well, I'll, I'll just take a minute to um, reset the room in case anybody's joined us in the last uh, 45 minutes or so. Um, but this is the Fireside Chat. If you haven't been to Fireside Chat before, click on that little greenhouse at the top so you can see what's going on with this crew. Tonight, we've got Jeff uh, here with us, and we're chatting about his life, some of his insights, um, and we will be opening up the room to questions from the audience very shortly. But before we do that, um, Jeff, I'm so glad that you're here. Let's start with that. Um, and, you know, I know that you are the parent of what I'll call emerging adults um, and that you have been teaching students for a long time. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, are there any go-to resources that you think are critical, reads, listens, you know, watches, et cetera, for people who are starting this journey that we like to call life um, as uh, emerging adults or as you know emerging leaders in in the professional world? What would you What would you recommend? Great question, Isabeth, and uh, to to everyone in the room. Um, Lisa, Beth, and I met um, obviously late. April or mid-April, maybe? Yeah, right around then. It was early spring. Early spring. And in Minnesota, there's no such thing as early spring. It's just late winter <laughs> and so then true. summer. So true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we met late winter and had a really great conversation. And um, uh, I was excited to participate in a conference uh, that was going to be held here in Minneapolis. And uh, if this is a if, if this is a safe room to share, um, I had a, a medical scare. Um, I was with my dad, we were watching uh, a bas the basketball game and I for some odd reason uh, passed out and had to be revived on his couch and that opened up um, another kind of arena in my mind in terms of what am I, what am I doing? What can I provide? Um, you know, and just the thought of, holy Christ, you just croaked on your dad's couch and you scared him half to death and, you know, um, and coming back from that and trying to figure out what uh, what's next in in this in, in in this opportunity that I have now. To your question, um, it has always been for me to share with my students and anyone that is interested in uh, the field of technology. Because I say the field of technology, because if we look at information security, there's so many things you can do with a security um, function that it is overwhelming for someone to say, I am going to be the, the guru of information security and, and know it all. Um, good luck, and I wish you the best. <laughs> um, when I... <clears throat> 
taught and, and today, uh, this fall, when I open up uh, my class uh, at, the, at Bismarck State, it, it is going to be about the fundamentals of information security or the fundamental fundamentals of technology. And the question I usually ask folks that are inquisitive is that, what do you want to do? What do you what do you want to do in information security? Do you want to be um, a hacker? Do you want to be a developer? Do you want to be a leader? Do you want to, you know, what is it that you want to do within this industry? And then from there, start building um, kind of your repertoire of of um, uh, of, of references and, and and information to to learn. Uh, so I usually send the, the new um, folks to uh, information security for dummies or CISSP for dummies or CNA for dummies, because that's where you get kind of the fundamentals uh, of that area. In this last class that I taught, which was Security One, we actually used uh, the book um, from uh, Kevin Mitnick, uh, The Art of Deception. That was part of our read um, for that class. Um, for folks that are kind of steeped in the, the industry and looking for other references um, to, to kind of expand their knowledge, uh, Russell is also aware of this. We have a good friend, Barry Dalton, who's the CISO for national, the National IT um, Division for the Federal Reserve System. He was an evangelist for this book, The, the, the Phoenix Project. And every uh, uh, information security officer re, uh, meeting, he would reflect on the, the kind of the insights of the books and the learnings from the book. And we would all give him a hard time of, man, you must be getting some nice royalty checks because you keep pushing this book. When we went to work from home, I viewed 2019 and 2020 as 2019, the Mike Tyson jab and 2020, the right hook from Mike Tyson. And at, and especially in Minneapolis, where we have um where we had so much um societal unrest i started reading the phoenix the phoenix project and i also read um uh, across that bridge by uh the late uh senator john lewis both of those kind of came back to one resounding theme people, 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 right? So if we look at where we are uh, from an information security perspective and for newcomers to the industry to you know, seasoned veterans, people are the greatest asset and the greatest liability to what we do. We sit in the middle of um, keeping the bad guys out and keeping the good guys honest. And both of those arenas are you know, kind of driven by the behavior and um, 
the, the varying personalities of, of, of the carbon-based life forms that reside on, on either side. So those would be kind of, you know, from, from, for, for newcomers, like, you know, find, find a book that is an intro level foundational understand kind of, you know, what are we, what are we doing? What do you want to do and what do you need to do to prepare um, for it? And then for the seasoned veterans is to continue to embrace ourselves in understanding this variable of human behavior and, um, and how we can not, not control it because I've, I've moved away from technology and control, but how do we embrace some of the nuances that each behavior or each person brings to the table and try to um, mold that in support of, as opposed to um, uh, ensuring that they don't do this. So let's, let's all support this path forward as opposed to using technology to keep you from doing something, um, something crazy. That's great advice. And I think that we can all take a couple of notes from that. I know that I'm going to be trying to make sure that I can connect with my kids and the people that I'm working with to give them some of that good advice. So thank you so much, Jeff. And I'm really glad that you're sticking around with us for a little while longer here because the world is a much better place with you in it. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to be, <laughs> to be still here. It's a different perspective when you, um, you know, you, you wake up a little bit differently. Uh, the, the idea of no worries really is like, yeah, that's not a, that's not a big deal. And, uh, you know, nobody's dead, dying or about to die. Although that was almost true. It, it really kind of sets the, the table on how you approach problems, right? Like, unless you're a doctor and somebody's really on the table and something's about to happen, you know, it's a different, it's a different, uh, it's a different uh, situation. You know, I thinking about that, my dad and the, the, the emergency folks that were at, at the house. But in our line of work, um, you know, we can kind of step back and, and take a beat to understand what's happening and what we need to do to be more productive in trying to address that problem. Because if, if we look at what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, I mean, every organization and individuals here can reliably say their defense in depth strategy is, you know, bar none. We've got all the tools in place that if, it, if one fails, we have many others that can, um, that can help in support of that failure. But we can't reliably say that if a person does something that circumvents those controls, that they understand the impact to the organization, right? So that's kind of the, the opportunity I see that, you know, we'll, we'll invest in the technology as, as foundational, but collectively if we all understand that what we do has a meaningful impact to the organization because in some way or another if you do it um, intentionally or you do it accidentally uh, 
it could cost the organization a significant amount of money. Embarrassment, you could lose your job. We could all lose our job. And that's the opportunity I feel um, that we have that we need to you know, kind of embrace. Awesome. So it is uh, it is five minutes to uh, to nine p.m. Eastern time. So we've got a, a good uh, well, forty minutes left. Yes, in the session. No, I'm doing my math wrong. Thirty five minutes. What am I thinking? Anyways, uh, if there are any questions from anybody in the audience, feel free to raise your hand, and we will bring you up on stage. Uh, I do see Ryan. Ryan, why don't you go ahead and ask your question and we'll bring up other folks as well. Thanks, Tomas. Hi, everybody. Hi, Jeff. Uh, nice to meet you. Thanks for sharing so much great insight. Um, I think my question is around what keeps you going most um, during the hardest moments before you said, um, you know, about between no worries and if I, I apologize, I didn't capture the the exact verbiage, but essentially like if no one's bleeding or dying, but you also shared that you, you had your own personal health scare and it sounds like, you know, what, what do you do during those moments when it is time to worry? Um, how do you maybe, how do you either get through it or, or get out of that? And what advice do you have to everybody when they are going through those tough moments? Since it sounds like you have some great insight and experience. Thanks, Ryan. It's also uh, a pleasure to, to meet you as well. I know we connected on LinkedIn. <clears throat> um, it, for, for me, I don't know if it's a curse or a blessing, I have always been kind of an even keel, um, an even keel personality. Um, and that is driven by this um, obsession of not being the smartest person in the room, but understanding what the mission is, right? So, so what does that mean? That means that understanding what the mission is, is that you have, I am a what if person. So there's a lot at any given moment, there's a lot of squirrels running around in this, in this noggin, uh, trying to, to, kind of play out uh, what if scenarios. So what if that fails? What do we have in play to to counter that? What if we move this here? What will happen? So that is always running in the back of my mind. And typically when I am working on a problem or a problem presents itself, um, I don't know what I don't know, but I can, I can, you know, reliably say that I do know what I do know, and I do know what I don't know. And in that area, I've run a couple of scenarios in my head that we can go to one of those that would at least stop the bleeding and then have the opportunity to pause, reflect, and then look at broadly what's happening. The other part, again, is the fundamentals, right? So an information security practitioner 
understands that the bad guys are going to do the reconnaissance and then they're going to find the weakest point and then they're going to exploit that point. They're going to get in, uh, escalate their, their access, try to pivot and then get the hell out. When, and when uh, a situation arises, we need to start, I start thinking, where in that attack life cycle are we? You know, so that gives you an opportunity to understand what's failed and what's where we need to start uh, engaging in in some defensive uh, into into uh, excuse me some defensive strategies. So that's one of the reasons why I teach because then I'm always engaged in that um, in the evolution um, of technology and um, what's happening in the industry and actually putting that to practice in terms of you know either a lecture or have had the opportunity of running cyber ranges over at uh, another university here called Metropolitan State University um, running uh, cyber range scenarios there. Um, so getting that practical exposure and exercising coming kind of that that noodling um, that allows, I guess, me to then be able to reflect on different scenarios and, and kind of piece them together to to solve a problem. And, and sometimes, Ryan, it, it's like, okay, all right, so Everybody take a beat. Let's sit down. If we have a bourbon, let's take a sip and then come back to it. <laughs> yeah, so that last part, I knew, you know, like you said, you say no worries and no one's bleeding or dying. But there are those times, too, that it, it is time to worry, but focus on the facts. So yeah. appreciate the answer. Again, nice meeting you. And, and yeah, thanks for the connect on, on LinkedIn. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for jumping up on stage and asking your question. And, uh, and Ryan was another one that we actually got to meet in real life last week uh, at RSA. So it was uh, it was fun meeting Ryan. Uh, Nate, over to you. Anything you want to ask, Jeff? Yeah, thanks so much. Jeff, really appreciate you sharing your, uh, your journey as well as some of uh, the insights into your philosophy. You touched on culture a good bit there, um, which is such a, a key component to any organization and really kind of the embodiment of leadership. When it comes to security as a subset of that culture or where security intersects within the, the culture of your organization. I mean, a lot of us have faced uh, 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 folks in organizations that kind of see security as, as in, a, in an adversarial stance or, you know, the house of no or attacks on, on kind of existing business as usual. How do you start to, to turn the tide from a, a cultural standpoint and really kind of embrace that security is something to be celebrated and, and issues are, are to be addressed and not necessarily a, a downfall or, or something to be looked down on? Great question, Nate. Um, uh, I, I think it all kind of goes back to kind of the people power of the organization. So if we reflect back on uh, security as a problem, uh, um, uh, as opposed to security as a service as it is now. Uh, security as a problem was we were the last one to know 
what's happening in the organization. And we were the first one called when there was a problem in the organization. So we were at a position where we could, we could do nothing right, if you will, right? So if you're the last one called and uh, the, the house is already on fire, it's like, well, is everybody out? No, okay, well, the ones that are in there, eh. And if we're the, the, the first one called, but don't understand how those, those decisions were made for uh, a situation that's going sideways, we're also in a position where we're asking a lot of questions as opposed to providing, um, uh, providing options for solutions. So what I tell um, my students and what I serve as, as a, a you know, information security cultural leader is that we're in the role as consultants, we're in a role as advisory members. We are, um, we're not problem, we're not kind of the, the, the the decision makers in, in, in a sense. We provide options to folks that are gonna make a decision. And we need to be at the table early in order to provide the most informed options so the decision makers can make an acceptable, balanced um, decision. And again, going back to my previous comment of, of the adage of threat-driven and risk-based. When I engage with um, our advisory leaders and our technology council folks, um, it's coming from that perspective of this is the threat. And if we don't do this, this is the impact to the organization. So it's tangible. Um, this is how we're going to feel it if we don't do this. It's not a pie in the sky. It's not that shiny object over there that's affecting everybody else. This one here, specifically for what we're doing, um, if this happens, we're going to be affected and we need to address that. It makes it real to folks um, that uh, the conversations can begin where uh, we're looking at how do we then adjust either, either from uh, a budgetary perspective or a resource perspective in order to address that issue and then go back to where we were before. Um, I am a staunch believer that people are the greatest asset. I know we see all the stats that, you know, the weakest link is the people that you, that, that, you know, carbon-based life form between the chair and the keyboard. Yes, we, we are faulted. However, if provided the right tool and training, we can actually use the, the people within the organization to be a part of the security program, not affected by the security program. Once you're a part of it, it's a thing that we need to do. If you're not a part of it, it's a thing that's being done to you. And that is a, a harder uh, kind of barrier to, to, to get over. 
what I've done, and I, I mean, I, I'm very proud of this, and I, and I tell people um, about it a lot. So at the Fed, when we started our uh, information security awareness program, we were at a click rate, uh, a fish click rate at the Federal Reserve Bank in Minneapolis. Each reserve bank had a different um, kind of uh, click rate uh, percentage, but we started at 10%. When I left, we were at three and a half percent. And it wasn't because we were beating people upside the head or public shaming or, or anything like that. It was a, a intentional engagement with employees and a reward, a risk reward um, program. So uh, the risk was like, if you demonstrate that you are a habitual clicker, then there's no other recourse than, you know, to put you in some uh, remedial training, right? If you demonstrate that you're someone that understands the training, you're getting the information, you're actually reporting um, when we're having these tests, so that means it's resonating with you, then we're going to reward you. And at the Fed, we had a reward system that ranged from $25 in, in, in a gift certificate, gift card for either Target or Amazon um, that went all the way up to $100 and then a grand prize of $500 for folks that reported um, uh, successfully during the course of the year. For the habitual clickers, you had to go through remedial training, and after the fifth or sixth times, it, it, it fixed fifth or sixth time, it became uh, a performance issue, just as it would be if you were on the line, the front line, and you keep uh, messing up the widget. Um, after a while, it becomes a performance issue, issue, and then you're shown the door. That proved to. Um, to actually engage people within the information security program, and they became active participants in the overall program, where we where we then spun off, where if an individual reported an actual fish that wasn't a test, that person was also raised up and and rewarded as a as a human firewall. So those are the opportunities I think we need to do. Um, across the organization and in engagement with the folks um, uh, within the organization. I've carried that over to, to my new role. Um, it's not a, a, a bigger purse as it was um, at the Fed, but I uh, married that with um, the, the no before fish alert, um, fish ER technology. And we've had ins instances where folks have used that fish report button and have been able to allow the system to retrieve 19 malicious emails, 11 malicious emails um, in two different scenarios. And those individuals are raised up and, and, um, and awarded. Uh, the phishing uh, tests are still happening. I've been there a year. We started with 14% when, um, when I got there. Today, our last fish um, results from the test was 8.3%. And folks are actively 
using the tech, uh, excuse me, using the technology and and, and using uh, word of mouth you know, via Teams. Now, word of Teams and chat uh, to report um, uh, uh, suspicious and malicious activity. Yeah, it's great. It makes a lot of sense with the the praise in public, you know, reprimand reprimand behind closed doors kind of approach. But also, you know, as as you started out by saying, you know, keep everything rooted in facts and uh, focused on enablement. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for uh, jumping on the stage. I see your question. David, good to see you. Over to you. There you go. Thank you. Thanks, Thomas. Sorry I missed you out at uh, RSA. And, um, and, and, and Jeff, man, what, what, every time you answer a question, it just seems to add more to my question, but I'm going to keep it simple because I do um, I like the fact that you have a people focus. I think people is people are paramount. And knowing that what seems like we've got, um, what, 20 or 30, we got vacancies enough to fill 20 or 30 football stadiums. So human capital is the, probably the scarcest thing aside from every once in a while money. But I wanted to ask you if, um, when you're dealing with folks that are on their career path, how do you help them to understand the rel their relevancy in the industry, I hear I hear when folks talk, they use words like "I'm trying to break in to the industry," which is already kind of says you don't belong because you're trying to break in. So that kind of language, using that kind of language or uh, that imposter syndrome language, sort of you know puts them on the outside and not put them on the inside where they actually belong and where they should be. But how do you empower folks and create relevancy? with folks that you mentor and even folks on your team. Uh, and, and I know you touched on it, too, but I wanted to see if there was something deeper there or something more there that you had, that you had in your bag of, um, bag of uh, sort of uh, mentoring and consulting. Yeah, thanks, David. It's a, it's a really good question. And to your point of the idea of breaking in into an or into the industry it's like uh we're a bunch of thieves trying to to, to, to get a, a piece of the pie and it's not true um as i mentioned we sit in the the middle of um the bad guys trying to get in and the good guys trying to get out so anyone that's had to deal with you know adversary um uh persistence or trying to, you know, work with or uh, manage uh, an internal uh, situation serves as a starting point, right? So can you listen? Can you understand? Can you then take those, those, those learnings and, and put them into um, practical implementation? So when I um, often sit and talk to someone, a cousin just recently, uh, we talked about he wanted to, to break into the field of information security. I'm like, oh man, break into? Um, what, what, what aspect of information security are you interested in? And, and 
you know, just trying to understand what he was uh, trying to get into or what information security uh, bubble he was trying to, to get into. Um, he is a, uh, an analyst with an MBA in finance and working for a bank uh, here in Minneapolis. And I asked again, it's like, okay, so what do you, is it threat management? Is it, and he really didn't know. And then I told him, I said, well, if you're interested in information security and you have a finance background, the whole world of um, uh, electronic currency and cryptocurrency is rife and rich and ready for you to not break in, but be an active contributor in that environment from regulatory to actual uh, security implementation. That is an avenue for anyone in the financial background to actually start looking at and embracing. And that was a revelation to him. And he, he was like, I didn't think of that and I haven't thought of that. And, and I was like, well, let's start planning on how to get you exposed to people either in that field active, actively or, you know, financial leaders that are thinking about that move into, into that area. So those are kind of the, the, the active engagement that I have when I'm asked how, how do you break into, or how do you get into the field of information security? It's often followed up of what do you want to do in information security? Right. Um, last thing before I, uh, before I stop, how do you feel about this, the, the notion of being very comfortable, being uncomfortable in your pursuit or in your, in your field of, uh, field of endeavor? And thanks very much, Jeff. Appreciate it. I'm going to ping yeah. you on LinkedIn too. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem, David. Uh, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, um, I would say is, is, is part of my, my, uh, my, my personality. So, um, I grew up in, I was born in, in Monrovia, Liberia, West Africa. I moved to the United States in uh, 1987, I was 12. I moved to a city in Minnesota called Andover. Um, you could count how many African-American people lived in Andover on one hand and not reached a thumb. Um, went to high school at another small, well, not, it wasn't a small time, but it, it, in terms of the, the, the diversity population was small in Blaine, Minnesota. That's where I went to high school. Um, after all of that, you know, limited exposure, um, I decided to run for the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota, um, uh, track a scholarship. So I was one of, you know, 10 uh, uh, athletes, African-American athletes in at the school. So you were either in football, basketball or track. Um, and 
if you didn't see four of the five, you knew where the other ones were. And, you know, so my career and my lifespan has been always in that position of feeling uncomfortable or feeling like the uh, only one in the room, not looking like everyone in the room. And it took a long time for me to find my voice and, and be comfortable in, in that resignation, resignation of my voice and, and um, accepting what comes with that, either good or bad. Um, so I find myself and I put myself in, in positions to, to be uncomfortable, to ensure that um, uh, ultimately that the information that I'm gathering is going to provide a comfortable, uh, comfortable situation. So I talked about my, my master's degree. Once I was hired, and this is a direct story, um, a situation to my promotion as uh, information security officer at the Federal Reserve. Once I was promoted, there were grumblings that I wasn't qualified or I, I hadn't been there long enough to serve in that role. And my senior officer at the time, who is now the CIO and the executive leader for the technology arm of Sullivan Cotter, he went to bat for me. He doesn't look like me. He went to bat for me. And he said, not only is he qualified, he's been ready for this role for a long time. So having that individual see the potential in me, I thought I needed, and again, this is my thought, I thought I needed additional um, credentials in order to prove to people that I was ready and, and able for that role. I started on the track of my doctorate in information security and assurance. I completed all of the, 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 the classes in support of my dissertation at the cost of my second marriage. So because of that dedication and because of that pursuit of making sure people understood that I under, I was the, the right person for that job, that the, the opportunity cost there was, was, uh, was personally felt. So I could, I, I had to stop because, you know, that was happening. But that again is an example of being uncomfortable um, and trying to get to a place of um, of comfortable, and ultimately, what I what I learned and what I took away from that was was this: is that uh, in the end, it isn't the credentials that you have. In the end, it's not you know the designations behind the name. It's how you interact with others is your understanding of the situation at hand and how you consistently show up to be a part of that community. And um, that's, that's been kind of uh, my, my way forward. That was a, that was a <laughs> spectacular answer, Jeff. That, that answer was, 
Hey, I can't say enough about your answer, but thank you very much. And um, I'm going to stop talking. Thank you again. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. Thanks for uh, jumping up on stage and asking your question. Um, Jenny, over to you. Hey, Jeff. Um, yeah, that was a spectacular question, set of questions and spectacular answer. Um, I'm in, in government. I'm state government. I'm risk counsel. So I loved what you said before about being the last person to contact or, you know, when you're building things, but the first person to contact when you get into trouble, because I think I run into that both on the legal side and the risk side. But my question is more, more detail on when you quantify the risk. I think one thing I'm running into in state government, because we do it on a statewide basis and we're trying to raise the awareness of internal controls for cyber, is that everybody understands the risk. They, they get it. But the, the, the next step that's really hard is how do you quantify it in a way that they can re, you know, relate it to the CFO and the budget and, and an environment where there's never enough resources to do just their basic mission? How do you quantify it so that they're willing to kind of take that step forward and invest in it? Yeah, so there's there's two things that pop to mind. One, if everybody understands the risk and they they buy in that, okay, yeah, this this is a potential, you know, cloud that if we don't do something could impact the organization, but no one is doing something about it. Um, that something is usually tied into some uh, theoretical event happening, right? So my experience and russell can attest to this as well is that we've had at, at the at the federal reserve we had a number of tabletop exercises that walk through those risk scenarios and um, kind of demonstrated the impact of the organization that led directly to policy changes um, uh, by senior by senior leaders they understood at at, during those those tabletop exercises, where uh, the the shortcomings were and the looming threat uh, 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 that was out there, that, that if it wasn't addressed um, at a at a you know manageable level, that could have a, a significant impact to the organization. So I would I would I would recommend a tabletop exercise. In addition to that tabletop exercise get someone that isn't a part of the organization to come in to either lead or um, provide some tangible examples. So um, when we we did a couple of tabletop exercises within the Federal Reserve in, in Minneapolis, where we solicited help from the, F, the local FBI um, contacts that we had. So they brought to the table real world examples of what would happen if we didn't do something, if we didn't have um, this policy in place, or if we didn't have this process implemented consistently across the, the organization. So those things, especially if they aren't, if they hear you, because they hear there's a risk out there, but they aren't listening to, to you, then have somebody else come in um, and have it resonate from, from that perspective. Um, the, the last thing I'll offer is that in our uh, cybersecurity awareness program, we had it written as part of that, that uh, uh, part of the remedial training and the potential impact to the organization of somebody that was habitually clicking on links were to take away their workstation. So here's uh, 
Johnny over here is his fifth time clicking on this fishing test. So the tabletop exercise that we had was we went down there and took away the workstation. And then you had to figure out how his role would have to play out where other resources will have to take it out because he just represented a significant risk to the organization clicking on the link and potentially taking his workstation out of service. So how would your business then deal with that? And that helped um, from that uh, cybersecurity awareness perspective, that helped in the engagement of supervisors, managers, officers to uh, repeat and support the idea of being diligent uh, when it came to uh, social engineering. That's fabulous. Thank you so much, Jeff. And what an impressive career. And thank you so much for being here tonight. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks for uh, adding to the conversation this evening. Uh, Katie, I know you had a question you wanted to ask uh jeff before we sort of conclude so why don't you uh well, take you. it on yeah i wasn't sure if we had time or not it'll, it'll be brief um so jeff you are exceptional um you know listening to your story uh, i can only you know hope to achieve as much as you have in your career and um and in your acumen and as it pertains to leadership and um one of the things that we talk about both in this room and, and overall you know in the industry is um, that balance in, in our lives. But I thought I'd lighten it up a little bit with this final question because um, we have learned some really interesting things about you, but um, in terms of what you do when you're uh, decompressing from all of the pressures of your day, what is something, what is a hobby, something you do that might surprise us? Are you a bird watcher? Do you, you know, make creme brulee for fun? Or I don't, I, have you summited Everest three times this year? Something like that, because I think it's so important for us to know that um, we all need to have these lives outside of it too. And you're so, you know, you're, you're that example for us all. So I'm just curious, something that would surprise us. Katie, I have three motorcycles. <gasps> See, I knew there was something. I knew it. <laughs> and are you a Harley or a... I have a mixture. I have okay. a mixture. Um, so I, I don't have a Harley, but I have uh, a Yamaha Raider, which is Harley-esque. Um, I have a Ducati and I have a Triumph um, Truxton. So I live, I live 35 miles um, kind of northwest of the cities in Minneapolis. So during the summertime, that's, that is, uh, that it's my, that's my escape. I, I ride, I ride the bikes, you know, not all three at the same time. I know somebody has that joke out there somewhere. Um, <laughs> I, I take it, I take them one at a time, um, and, and go in and it, it's, it's, uh, for me, it's a, it's a, a place where, you know, I'm, I'm calculating and managing risk in real time, you know, so uh, I'm, I'm on the motorcycle, I'm enjoying myself, but I'm also aware of the, the, the other folks in the enclosed vehicles. And um, it in many ways have made me um, an attentive observer. Um, and in some cases, when I'm in my car, I'm a better driver. Uh, but nonetheless, it is 
um, it's it's an avenue for within which I can kind of release and 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 let go. The other is playing golf, but that is more stressful than anything that I know. I I just go and and make my weekly donations, as I call it. Um, make my donation, get frustrated, and uh, and I leave. And then I guess the most important um, thing that I do um, in my free time is is following and living vi uh, vicariously through through my kids. Um, before Ethan, my son went down to Iowa, uh, excuse me, South Dakota, to live. He was, you know, still is in some ways a track athlete in high school and in clubs. So would watch him succeed and national All-American and state champion um, here in, in Minnesota in the 100 meters. And then my daughter, she plays soccer and track and she won she won um, the long jump last year as a sophomore and the four by one team won the state championship last year um, as sophomores. And, uh, you know, she's uh, an awesome soccer player. I love watching her play soccer. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so that's, that's how I spend my time. Oh, I love that answer. Yeah. And thank you for sharing. I think sometimes it's nice for people, you know, as we heard your story, a very exceptional story to be like, wait, there's a human in there, right? Um, so thank you for sharing all those tidbits. And I guess Lisa Beth will have to be looking out for you on the highways of Minnesota. Over oh, the I'll see her first. <laughs> <laughs> always aware, always aware. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks. And probably perfect transition back to Tomas. No, awesome. Look, that was, that was probably a, a great way also to, to, to wrap up the, this evening's segment. So I, I do want to thank everybody for taking time, obviously, out of their day, out of their busy schedules to, to attend this and listen in. Uh, and, and obviously, Jeff, I, you know, I, a lot of thank you to you, a, lot, a big thank you to you for taking your time out of your, out of your day. But before we kind of get to closing remarks, I I do want to remind everybody we'll be back here next week uh, at same same time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we actually have next week joining us. Why is my app not working? I believe it's uh, uh, my app will work. Here it is. Uh, Nick Schneider, uh, who's the president and CEO of Arctic Wolf, will be joining us. So tune back in next week to listen to Nick and, and his uh his journey that should be a, a, another interesting and great conversation i i'm expecting that to be a, a, a pretty good one so with that said uh i do want to just very quickly remind everybody if you're new to our fireside chat it's a little greenhouse on the top left of your screen you can click that greenhouse and join our our fireside chat club uh, and you can listen to the prior recordings if you missed the, a, a good portion of today's segment i i advise you i strongly advise you to to uh, to come back, tune in after we close the room in about maybe five minutes or so and, and listen to the playback because you'll be able to hear what you missed because you missed some good conversation this evening. Um, so with that said, Maz, I'll leave some final words for you. I just want to say, Jeff, it's a pleasure knowing you and I am so glad that we were able to have you on the Fireside Chat so we could learn more about you. It's an absolute pleasure to be here um, and thank you all for the opportunity to share what I do.
Go ahead. After you, Katie. Oh, my final thought was going to be, you know, knowing uh, the the mentor that Russell is uh, for the community and for this, you know, and even in this room every week, um, I, I had no doubt that this would be a great session, but this is really one of the, this was a highlight of my week. So thank you again for sharing your, your time and the space with us. Thanks, uh, you're, you're too good. Jeff, man, I miss you so much. We got to get together. It's been a while. We've been through things together that we can never talk about. And we've been through things that <laughs> maybe we shouldn't ever have to talk about, but I appreciate you spending the, the evening with us sharing with us, inspiring me, teaching me things about you I didn't know that makes me want to be a better leader. So I, I'm grateful. Uh, and the, the room here is grateful for you. Absolutely. Thanks, Mods. And, you know, Jeff, again, sincerely, thank you for, for taking the time out of, out of your busy schedule to share your thoughts and, and your and your journey with us. Uh, and it's great to, uh, to, to meet you. And it's good that you are still here with us. Um, so I'll leave the final words for you. Uh, thank you. Thank you all, uh, Tomas, Russell, Katie, Lisa, um, uh, the folks uh, within the room as well. It, it is truly a pleasure to have this opportunity to talk to this group and um, have the interaction, right? So, um, you know, in, in Russell's sayings when we were, you know, serving together as information security officer, officers, it, it was always be intentional and be present. And um, and I, it, it has resonated with me since our time together um, at the at the Fed, and it continues to be kind of a bedrock of of how I lead teams and how I interact with folks. So it is truly a pleasure to have met all of you. Um, virtually and Lisa in person, Russell, we go way back. Uh, I'll see you in the, in the, um, in the airport at, uh, in Richmond at the green chairs one of these days. 100%. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, with that, it's a, it's a pleasure. We'll see you all next week. Have a good rest of your week. Uh, keep the fight, keep, keep up the good fight. And, uh, and try to enjoy your, your long weekend. As I did mention, uh, it is a holiday in the U.S. Uh, on Monday. So most of us will have the day off. So have a good long weekend, everybody, and happy Father's Day weekend, uh, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Bye, everyone. Enjoy the weekend. Bye.